Hey, this is Todd and Julie Mullen, senior pastors here at Christ Fellowship Church in South Florida. Whether you're across the street or across the world, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy week to join for this message. We hope that it encourages you and inspires you to get more out of life. We are in the second week of a two-week series entitled Jesus and Politics. And many of you are really glad it's only a two-week series. Yeah. Don't you wish the political season was just two weeks, right? They're Jesus, right? But no, we are entering into a long season in our nation that is usually filled with a lot of division, hostility, even animosity. But can I remind you that what's happening around you doesn't have to get on the inside of you? You don't have to let all that that's going on out in the world get on the inside of you today. As I was praying last year about this year and what the Lord wanted me to preach about, I can tell you loud and clear, he, may, he said, Todd, um, before it gets crazy and before my people forget what they know, remind them of who they are. And so last week we talked about who we are. It, the Bible's really, really, really clear about who we are and who we're supposed to be. And we focused on three of them last week. If you were here, if you weren't here, you need to go back and listen to it. But it says in the Bible that we are first and foremost citizens of heaven. Even beyond the citizenship of your country or your nation, you are a citizen of heaven. Heaven is your home. We are just pilgrims passing through, amen? And then secondly, we learned that we are ambassadors for Christ into the world today, which means you and I have been sent to represent our king to the people around us, to the world around us. We're ambassadors. Act like that, right? That's what we're gonna act like. And then third, we, we reminded ourselves that we are a part of a royal priesthood. Second Peter says you are actually a royal priest. And as a priest, our assignment is to help people get to God. Connect with God, know God, follow God. And so those assignments given to us in scripture, those, that identity given to us by God himself is actually going to shape how we walk through these next several months. It's gonna determine the conversations you have and the ones you don't have. It's gonna determine what you put online, <laughs> what you comment about and what you just go, I ain't commenting about that. Right? Now listen, let me say this. I wanna say this up front. There are important issues at hand. There are important policies. And thank God we live in a country where we actually get to vote the values that we believe come from God's word into a lot of Christians around the world don't have that privilege. So we thank God that we have that privilege. And so I'm not saying don't get involved. I'm just saying the word of God is actually gonna direct how you get involved, how we walk through this next season. So today I wanna continue the conversation uh, Jesus and politics, and I want to look more about Jesus and politics, thank God, and we're going to look at the words of Jesus, and if you have a Bible that is a red letter edition Bible, where all the words of Jesus are in red, then these words would be in red because they're from Jesus, and they are some very, very important words because they're some of the final words that Jesus gives before he is taken to the cross. And I have learned uh, as a pastor, being with people on their, on their deathbed, that the last words coming out of their mouth are really important. Like they're not talking about trivial things at that moment. They're not talking about the weather or politics, dear God. They're, they're, they're what they say is important and people are leaning in to listen. And so I want us to lean in because the words we're gonna read, Jesus is on his proverbial deathbed. 
He's in the Garden of Gethsemane praying to the Father. And he's praying for you. He starts off in John 17 actually praying for his disciples. And then he says this, my prayer is not only for them alone. I pray for those who will believe in me through their message. So we have come to believe in God through the message of the apostles and the disciples. So he's praying for us. He says that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then, at that point, then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as I have loved you. So several times here, Jesus is telling us, he's, he's praying that we would be one so that the world would believe. So this, this, what we're talking about today is really important. This is not unity for the sake of singing kumbaya and holding hands so we all just get along in a political season. No, 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 it's way more important than that. According to Jesus, our unity is gonna impact eternity. Our unity, the church's unity, believers' unity, in a season where there's not a lot of unity, can actually have an impact on eternity. And we gotta remember that unity doesn't come naturally. Like it's really unnatural. Unity requires intentionality because there's gonna be differences of opinions and thoughts and perspectives and upbringings and all of that. I want you to listen in on a conversation that took place on this platform a couple days ago uh, from people that were talking about the differences, but how we as the church can be different in the differences. And then I'm gonna come back and share what I believe is mission critical for us as a church in this season. So let's start by watching this together. Hey church, my name is Natalie and I remember eight years ago, my senior year of college at Southeastern University, we had a guest pastor come and share at a chapel. I didn't know who this was, but I remember him sharing about the election and being amazed he wasn't picking sides, he wasn't picking parties, but he was sharing God's truth of how we can be peacemakers. We can be salt and light and we can be uniters in the body of Christ. Come to find out that pastor was actually Pastor Todd of Christ Fellowship. And I am so honored that our church has such a heart for unity and a heart to speak into culture. And I'm excited about the conversation we're going to get to share today. We've called a little bit of a town hall meeting together and are gonna talk about how we can live as salt and light in our culture. And I have Alec, one of our college pastors with us today. My personal favorite pastor, Pastor Julie Mullins is here. We have the teacher, the preacher, Jimmy Rollins with us. And Ian Chong, a campus pastor of Christ Fellowship in Espanol with us today. And I know all of you have been so deeply impacted by the division that we've experienced in our culture. And I'd love for you to share from your own experience how we as believers can interact with the culture. Pastor Julie, I'd love for you to start. I'm gonna be honest, like when we first started this conversation, I had a little bit of PTSD, right? Like thinking back of 2020 and all that happened. And you know, for Todd and me leading the church, through that really divided, toxic season, some things really caught us off guard. Like um, we expected that in our culture and in our country that there would be division and, and ugliness, but, 
But what we didn't expect was when it started making its way into the church. And it was just so heartbreaking, right? It was heartbreaking to see, you know, relationships fractured and broken. It was, it was heartbreaking to, to hear some of the conversations like, I cannot believe you call yourself a Christian and you could vote for someone who believes that. Or I can't believe you're, you're calling yourself a Christian and, and you can vote for someone who behaves like that. And I just have to think that, you know, this was so far from what Jesus had in mind when he established his church, right? It was so far from what he had in mind when he called his first 12 followers. I mean, think about this really diverse group, right? They, they, was, they, were, they were all so diverse, but you think about even just the examples of, of Simon the Zealot. He was actually anti-establishment, trying to overthrow the government. And then you had Matthew, the tax collector, who was unfairly taxing the people part of the establishment. These were political enemies. But I think Jesus was modeling something for us, that he was modeling that, that, that there was going to be something that would happen, that these guys would turn the world upside down, not because of their unity and their, and their, and their political views, but, but because of their unity in the spirit of Christ. And, and this is what I think that he modeled for us. And this is so important for us to remember. And as a church, I started thinking about that we have this amazing, diverse congregation. You guys are amazing and diverse in every way, even politically. I mean, you guys have a lot of bumper stickers on the back of your car, right? You have opinions, but you know, this is our calling. See, when, when it came, when you think about that our vote is going to be, we're, we're going we're gonna to be inspired to vote, and it might be because of our passion for the poor, or it might be because of our passion for religious freedom, right? But Jesus pursued people on both sides, and that's our calling. We don't get to take a break every four years from the Great Commission. And I believe that in this season, we get to be, we get to model something different and we get to be the light in this really dark season. That's our calling, it's our commission. And I'm speaking from you know, a pastor's perspective, but you know, Alec, you actually lead our college ministry. And, um, and you are leading a lot of people right now that are gonna be voting for the very first time. And so you have your own experience and your own perspective. I'd love for you to share that a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. And I really think social media has affected a lot of how we vote and what we believe um, in our current political culture. Uh, if you don't know, social media is meant to fuel you, social me. Dia, it's all about me. Uh, I've recently been trying to be a home cook and my Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, everything when I get on there is cooking recipes, new techniques. They, they are entrapping me in what I want to believe. And honestly, this can be very dangerous politically because if we're just being fed what I know and what I believe, it can make it very hard to empathize with other people when we are just being berated with everything that we want to see. And I've been challenging our college students to actually have a balanced diet. Any, any one thing of too much is not good for you. So actually live on both sides. Uh, Jesus gave us two ears, one mouth. I think we should be listening a lot more this election season. And also these political issues, they're not just issues. People are attached to the other side of these issues. So we cannot let political issues divide us for what Jesus came for, which is people. We, we need to be about people this election season and every season. And also, I, I know our witness is at stake. Our, our witness of reaching the next generation and telling people about Jesus is also at stake 
as well. There's a scripture we've been sitting with in our college ministry. It's Proverbs chapter three, uh, verses five through eight. And it simply says, hey, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. Submit all your ways to him. But then he says, don't be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. And I think that's a word for our people this season. Don't be wise in your own eyes. Instead, fear the Lord and shun evil. And uh, Proverbs chapter one says, the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. And and I know this, uh, if our posture this season is a reverence for God higher than our reverence for our political ideology, we're gonna be the best church that we can be. We're we're gonna be more effective. It's not gonna hurt our witness. It's not gonna hurt anything about it. We're gonna reach more people than ever before in this season. That's so good, and, and, and it is about people. Um, I, was, I was born in Venezuela, in Caracas, and I moved to the United States when I was a teenager. So I, I, I lived my whole life with uh, arepas, chicharrón, plátano, all of that. And uh, coming to this country was such a change, such a challenge for me and my family. And it always reminds me that when we hear the word immigration, when we hear the word immigrant, there's such a connotation behind it. But for an immigrant, that word means hope. It means a new beginning. It means building something new. It means that there's, there's, there's something that is waiting for you on the other side that God has prepared just for you. And let me tell you that 10, statistics show that 10 out of 10 people that cross the border are made to the image and likeness of Christ, okay? So there's a harvest that's knocking at our doors every single day. I mean, I'm, I'm in an immigrant family, well immigrants, and we all, and we disagree about immigration in our own family, okay? We, we disagree on it, and for some reason, you know, because I'm Hispanic, if you haven't noticed, uh, and by the way, we do have a campus that speaks Spanish, that means every Sunday at two locations, if you know someone de, que solo habla español, invítalos a nuestras locaciones. And we, uh, we're there to love on people. Imagine if someone comes on a Sunday, and pastor, I need some prayer. I'm struggling through something. Am I gonna ask them, well, what's your immigration status? Do you make it to this country legally or legally before I pray for you? And my, when people ask me all the time, well, what do I think about immigration? What do I think? Because I guess because where I'm from, I get that asked often. Um, I always point into James chapter 1, verse 27, when it says, Pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. All those people that are coming into our country, they're orphans of a nation. We're, we're here to care for them. We're called to care for them, to love on them, to see first who they are before we see where they're from. That is so good. And Pastor Jimmy, I love the title of the book that you wrote, Love Outside the Lines. And this idea that our love has to be outside the lines of our policy or our politics. And would love for you to share a little bit about your experience and encouragement for us. Thank you so much. I think uh, the byline of that book is Love Outside the Lines beyond the boundaries of race, preference, and difference. And when we think about this love assignment that God sent his son Jesus on, uh, he, he literally, in this love assignment, 
he had to leave the boundaries of where heaven is and go outside the lines of that to earth uh, and not knowing sin, but being called to something that he doesn't know himself. And on that, there is a mission of love. And the mission of love has to find things that it aren't alike. It has to find things that are different. And I love this because this plays out in the gospels. This plays out, you know, in the kingdom of God. And when we look at that, this word witness is such a big word. And I think in the political culture that we're in, a lot of our goal uh, or, or could be our goal is to win. You know, I want to win this conversation. I want to win this argument. I want to, I, I want to be right. And, and I think this, that sometimes if the goal is to win, it is probably uh, robbing our ability to witness. And with this, we have to have this mindset that the goal is not to think alike, the goal is to think together. That means I must listen to be heard, not listen to win. And Paul takes this to a, a, I love the message version because it's like the messy version, right? Uh, In 1 Corinthians 9, it says this, even though I am free from the demands of expectations of everyone, I have voluntarily become a servant to any and all in order to reach a wide range of people. The Bible says that Jesus did not come to be served, but to serve. And I think as believers, we have to realize that we don't get a break from serving on Instagram or Twitter or Facebook or TikTok or social media. Uh, We don't, you know, or, you know, the the country club we're a part of, we still have to serve outside the lines, beyond the boundaries. And Paul then, I love the way that this passage ends. It says, I've become just about every sort of servant there is in my attempts to lead those I meet into a God-saved life. I did this because of the gospel. I did this because of the message. And then he says, I didn't want to be on, just talk about it. I wanted to be in on it. And I think that a lot of times our words are ruining our witness. I want to be in on helping others, entering to their world, find out their perspective, and, and, and really get compassion for it. And, and, I, and, I, and I want to just end my, 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 my thoughts on this, is that in conversation with people who think differently than us, if our, uh, how do I want to say this? We have to be careful that our personal conviction does not ruin public compassion. We cannot let our personal conviction ruin our public compassion. Thank you so much. This has been such a powerful time and I'd love to turn and get really practical and leave everyone with one mantra statement of one takeaway that we can hold with us through this season as we come together in the body of Christ. Ian, I'd love to start with you. Yeah, mine is really simple. When we are the hands and feet of Jesus, people don't see red, they don't see blue, they see Christ. Yeah, Yeah, I would say for me, I don't necessarily have a mantra that I'm leaving with, but I do have a filter of how we should, Pastor Jimmy, like you said, conduct our words and especially our digital words this political season, especially the comment section. But uh, if we want to look, I think we have a graphic behind us. Uh, It's a good Venn diagram of, hey, does it uh, honor authority? Number one, is, is it is it honoring authority, what, what, we're, what we're teaching? Number one, is it uplifting others? Is what I'm saying, is it uplifting others? And then number three, is it adding to the body of Christ? And if it's all those three things, tweet away, post away, talk away, put it in the comment sections, all of those things, because we want to be people that bring words of life this season. That's so good. You are so wise. I love that. 
I love that. You know, um, I heard a pastor say this week that Jesus didn't choose sides, but he invites us to choose him. And so he chose people, he pursued people on the other side of every issue. And that's what we, that's our calling as the church, that, that we're called to pursue people. And I believe that as the church, as we pursue the people that Jesus is pursuing, that we can bring something. We can't expect the government to solve the problems that the church has been put here to solve. And we get to do something. We get to be light. We get to be salt and do something that, that, the, that the world, that the government can't do and that we've been empowered to do. But it only comes when, when we're unified and we stay unified, not uniformity, but unity. I think uh, if I had a mantra, it would probably be this, and I, I, I honestly, I try to embody this in my own life, uh, is that I want people to know whom I'm for rather than what I'm against. And I think that we all could adopt that mentality. Let's, let's let people know what we're for rather than what we're against. Wow, this has been such a powerful time together. And I love that no matter if your candidate wins or loses the race, that we can win in the race to the hearts of the people around us. Let's thank our panel today for this conversation. Yep. The reason we're talking about this today is because in a divided world, the church has gotta be united. A divided world needs a united church, a body of Christ. This is the way the Apostle Paul challenges us in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. He says, I appeal to you. He's writing this to the church. I appeal to you, which means I beg you, brothers and sisters, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another in what you say, that there may be, say those next four words with me, no divisions among you. No divisions among you, but that you may be perfectly united in mind and thought. So the apostle Paul is echoing the words of Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane by saying, I'm begging you that you would be united in heart and will and passion, right? That word, no division. Division in the Greek uh, is this word schisma, which means split or a tearing apart. And one of our enemy's greatest strategies is to try to divide us, to tear us apart because he knows um, a divided body can't function the way it's called to be. Remember, we are the body of Christ. And so if we're divided, we're disjointed, we're dismembered, a disjointed, dismembered body can't do what it's created to do, can't be who we're created to be. So we have to work on fighting for unity because when we are unified as one, man, we are unstoppable, filled with the power of God. So Paul says, don't let anything allow division to creep in, right? Couple reasons why this is important. First, the Bible tells us that unity is powerful. There is a power that comes from God when we are united. Now, unity by itself practically is powerful. Just think, think about uh, if you've ever played a, a team sport. You ever played uh, soccer or uh, Kevin, you played football for my dad when he was a football coach. Uh, when you play those team sports, if a team is playing together, working together, man, functioning together, they can win whatever they're, they're playing, but everybody's got to work together. Like, like the quarterback needs the lineman to, to block for him. That's what Purdy needed. <laughs> Too soon? Sorry. The receiver needs the quarterback to put it here, right? 
That's what Mahomes did. And he did a whole lot of other things, which is why they won. Uh, the, uh, the, the, the running back's got to run the play that is actually called in the huddle. He can't go out and just run any old play he wants to. He's got to work together. They've got to work together in the same way we are God's team left here on this earth to carry out a mission. And so we got to work together. And when we work together, we can win together. Ecclesiastes chapter four says that one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves, but a cord of three strands is not easily broken. Unity is powerful. And that's true in the, in the physical realm. Like if you're trying to lift up something that's, that's heavy, if you get a lot of people around it, all lifting together, man, the, the load's light. It, it, it's true relationally. You get a husband and wife or a family that is working together in unity, man, there's power in that home. That home is strong. It's true spiritually. Jesus said that if two of you on earth agree in prayer as touching any one thing, it shall be done for them, right? And just think back to Acts chapters one and two, when 120 people gathered in an upper room and they came into oneness, unity through prayer and fasting, it says that it opened up the door for the Holy Spirit to show up in power. So spiritually, when we come into unity, it opens up the door for God to show up. And if you look through history, you will see over and over again that that's what God does. Uh, in fact, uh, when you study the revivals, which I have been studying the revivals, the works of God around the earth today, you might be familiar with the Azusa Street uh, revival. Happened in Los Angeles back in 1906 and lasted for about a decade. It marked the city. It actually marked the nation and the world. This revival that took place in this old building in, on Azusa Street. And on the side of this building, uh, the words were written um, that whosoever will may come. Let brotherly love prevail. And one of the, the, the noting factors of what God did in the Azusa Street revival is how he brought people together from all walks of life the rich and the poor, black, white, uh, Asian, Latino, all together, the immigrants and the migrants and the, the business owners, all of them were brought together. There was power in the unity as, as it says, one of the notes in the, in the paper said that the color line was washed away by the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus washes all those other lines away that we build up and put up. He washes that all away when we allow the spirit of God to bring us together, amen? Psalm 133 says, behold, how good and pleasant it is when brothers and sisters dwell together in unity. At the end of that verse, it says, for there the Lord commands his blessing. In fact, it is the only place in scripture that I can find where God commands his blessing, where there's unity. So when he sees a family that's united, he goes, I'm gonna bless that family. When he sees a business that's united, I'm gonna bless that business. When he sees a church that's united, he commands his blessing. Unity is powerful because God shows up. The second thing that we read from scripture about unity is that unity is imperative. That what we're talking about today is not uh, tangential. It's not optional, off to the side. It is mission critical for us to be who God has called us to be, for us to do what God has called us to do in the church. We, and we can look at all the differences in the world today all the differences in policies and politics and all the things that we talked about last week. And we can think, wow, that's just a lot of things to fight about. A lot of things to argue, a lot of difference of opinions going on here. And we can think it's impossible. Can I tell you it's not impossible? It's actually imperative. Because Jesus knew in John 17, in the garden, when he was praying that prayer, that we'd be right here today. 
He didn't say it was gonna be easy. He just says it's gonna be necessary, right? And as I was studying this passage of scripture again these weeks, there was a part of it I wanna bring out to you. Um, in this prayer where Jesus is praying for our unity, it starts in verse four. He actually says, Father, I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. That word work can also be translated into assignment. There was an assignment on his life and he says, I finished the assignment. So he's talking about his purpose. And then he begins to speak about our unity. He actually literally ties our unity to his purpose. He talks about our unity as the body of Christ with all of our different backgrounds and different upbringings and different preferences. He talks about our unity in light of his purpose, which means our unity has divine purpose written all over it. We, we're talking about unity on purpose for a purpose. Now, now remember when we talk about unity, like Julie mentioned right at the end, uh, we're not talking about uniformity. We're not about all about, gotta, everybody's gotta think the same way and have the same exact perspective and all that. No, no, no. We're, very, we're all very, very different. Go back to that football team. You don't want everybody to be a running back. Somebody's gotta be the lineman, somebody's gotta be a quarterback. It, what makes them win the team is not that they play the same position, but that they're moving in the same direction, right? Think about a, uh, an orchestra playing a, a beautiful a symphony. What makes it beautiful is not that they're all playing the same instrument, but that they're playing the same song, right? They're not all playing the tuba, thank God, right? right. Uh, uh, the, the worship team that was leading worship earlier, where you, where you are, uh, that, that worship team, they were singing beautiful harmonies. They weren't singing the same part. They were bringing their different parts, their different instrumentation to the same song. And so likewise, we may not have the exact same perspective on everything, but we can have the same purpose because we're moving in the same direction given to us by Jesus. Our unity is imperative. Let me bring us back to those words of Jesus in, in verse 21, where he said, I pray that they all, meaning us, we all would be one, just as I am in you and you are in me, so that the world will believe that you sent me. So right here, words of Jesus, it's not gonna be our theology that wins the lost. I'm not saying theology isn't important. It is important. Theology is what you know about God and understand about God from his word and what you know about issues and principles and things that are in life. You, you gotta know this word, but he's saying that's not, the, what's gonna win people is not how well you defend your faith or how well you can convince somebody of, that's not, that's not gonna, what's gonna win, what's gonna win, what's gonna convince them is our Unity is gonna impact eternity. So my prayer going into these next few months is a simple prayer and I would like you to pray it with me. May we be one so that we may win. Would you say it with me out loud? May we be one so that we may win. It's a simple prayer. May we be one so that we may win. Natalie said that your candidate may or may not win this year, right? Uh, you may not even have a candidate that you want to win this year, right? But we can still win as the church. May we be one so that we may win. And I'm breaking this prayer down into two, two categories. The first is may we be one so that we may win the loss, which is what Jesus was specifically talking about here. Those that are far from God, those that don't know God. And can I tell you, not one of us can do that alone. That's why it's not may I win so that I can win the loss. Way we. It takes a we to build a spiritual home for those that are spiritual lost. It takes, it, 
I can't do this by myself. You can't do this by yourself. It's all of us working together to be the body of Christ, to be the family of God. Everything that we do to serve, those thousands of you that serve with kids and, and uh, serve in the parking lot or lead small groups or host in our environments, you're creating a home for people to find God. It takes all of us giving. You know what? Not one of us can, can uh, build a Westlake campus. Now we're seeing hundreds of people come to Jesus out in Westlake. Not one of us can buy a build, two buildings in Jupiter. Hey, Jupe. Uh, to reach people up in that community. Not one of us can buy a Macy's store down in Boca. If you can, come talk to me after church because we haven't paid for it yet. So, <laughs> but all of us together, right? All of us can, together can actually help create a place where people can find God and know God and follow God and serve God and love God and love his word. It'll change generations to come. May we be one so that we may win the loss. The second prayer that I'm praying from that prayer is may we be one so that we can win the next generation. May we be one so that we can win the next generation. A couple weeks back, we, we reminded us all of the vision God has given us that in the race to the heart of the next generation, the first one there wins. And we're gonna do whatever we can to race there, to win their hearts, to pass faith spiritually on to the next generation, amen? I, I heard someone say before that, um, that, that the, the church is only one generation away from extinction. Meaning if we don't pass spiritual faith on well to the next generation and they don't pick it up, right? When I hear that, man, something gets up inside of me like, oh no, not on our watch. No, 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 we're gonna, we're gonna do whatever we gotta do. We're gonna serve however we gotta serve. We're gonna give whatever we gotta give. We're gonna give up whatever we gotta give up so that we can create a Bible-centered, Jesus-centered, life-giving church that the next generation is going, yeah. See, what will, a divided church will not attract the next generation. Bunch of Christians arguing about policies and politics, they're out right there, right? Bunch of crotchety Christians. Nobody wants to be around crotchety Christians. Hashtag don't be crotchety, right? But we're gonna be one so that we can win the next generation. I look back to our spiritual great, 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 great grandparents in Acts chapter two when the church first started. The Bible says that they, were, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, which is the word of God. They devoted themselves to prayer and they devoted themselves to each other. And their devotion impacted your life. In fact, I would go so far to say that one generation's devotion will impact the next generation's destiny. What we are devoted to is gonna impact the next generation's destiny. So we're gonna be a generation, wherever generation you're in, your generation, that is devoted to God's word, we are devoted to prayer, we are devoted to one another, we are devoted to the purposes of God so that we may win the lost and win the next generation and help them find God. We will fight during this political season, but we're not gonna fight each other. We will fight, but we're not gonna fight people that don't see it like us and think like us. We're gonna fight the real enemy that is trying to divide us. And we're like, no devil, you ain't getting in here because we are united around the word of God, the truth of God, the principles of God, the love of God. That's what we're united around. Thank you again for spending time with us today. If you're looking to take a step in discovering the more that God has in store for you, just text the word podcast to the number 
441 and select the option that applies to you. And if you enjoyed this message, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. A special thanks to those of you who generously give to all that God is calling us to do together. It's because of you that everything that we do is possible. We'll see you right back here for next week's message.